You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello, listeners. Um, that was Club Integral. You're now tuned into Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. Um, first, we're going to hear a fabulous song called Don't At Me by JME. Fam, don't at me. If you're gonna chat shit, don't at me. Fall back a little bit, don't at me. I am not having it, don't at me. You will get blocked quick, don't at me. With your default pick, don't at me. No. Delete all that shit, don't at me. Have to tell these pricks, don't at me. Hi, hater. Why you wanna diss man online, then say hi later? I already said don't waste my time. Now I gotta tell him don't waste my data. I don't wanna write a diss track for an MC, nah. I don't wanna waste my paper. I used to care about certain man. So my Rolex, no time on my hands. Good evening, listeners. So that was a little extract by Don't At Me. I actually came across that song by typing in songs about the internet. <laughs> but it's very relevant to our show. I think it's a great song and it's very catchy. Don't at me if you have something unpleasant to say. I think that's the gist of the song. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that is why I'm not a rapper and they are. So, um, so yeah, as every week, um, we are going to start with frustrations and celebrations. Later on in the show, we are going to be talking about Online trolling, we've got Aura Freeman, a senior campaigner from Amnesty here, as Flory mentioned. Um, frustrations and celebrations. I'm going to kick that off because I'm super happy that women in Ireland have autonomy over their wombs. So, <laughs> a late one coming, but I'm very proud. Um, uh, I don't know why I say proud because I did not vote in that election. I am not in any way Irish. Um, but I, I'm very happy that um, other women have the same rights that I do. So, mm. go Ireland. Well done, <laughs> Republic of. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyone else want to share? Swither? Um, so uh, I enjoyed the weather on Monday by uh, getting some ex- some extremely painful blisters. Mm. So um, so yeah, uh, that was that was very unpleasant. Um, and I've been walking around all day incredibly uncomfortable. Um, so that's a frustration. You sound very British right now. Really. Yeah, it's like the pain from the weather. It was. It was. It lit, it, it, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, Flory? Uh, yeah, I have a celebration. I had a fantastic holiday with the bank holiday with some friends in Madrid. My Another friend of mine got married. We used to work together in this Mexican restaurant in Brixton and we've stayed friends and uh, she got married. So that was really sweet. Um, I was with a very diverse group of friends and I think we spoke 12 languages between us. Wow. And I contributed barely English to that. <laughs> so um, that's my my little frustration that I'm shit and need to be better at learning I'm new language. I'm always in two minds about travel weddings because one, I do love to travel, but two, I had to travel to get there. So it means you guys don't get a present. <laughs> I, I don't know how you feel about that. Did you bring a present? We didn't, but with one's on the cards. If you're listening, Alex, don't worry, one's on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you didn't just blow a surprise there. Um, Aura, have you got a frustration or a celebration? Uh, yeah, I, I have a new kitten called Zen. Um, oh, wow. He... Uh, he started headbutting me in the morning, though, at about 6 a.m. every day. So I feel like a new mom, which is a very strange feeling. And I don't know if I want to ever have it again. But um, it's it's a new experience. So that's been, I guess, a celebration slash frustration. My neighbor's cat has adopted me. And last night he spent an hour and a half outside my door, which gives on to the garden meowing to let for me to let him in and I was like if I keep letting him in he's going to keep doing this and in the end it's like I just need to sleep so I opened the door obviously two and a half hours later he wanted to meow to get out so I had to get up again so, so it's like having a newborn baby I have a cat but it's not my cat I don't have to feed it I just have to Relax. cater to its every need <laughs> movement wise anyway um yeah I was gonna say that's a bit like 
being trolled, but I wouldn't know that because I've never been trolled. Um, but I do feel like that cat hates my guts, but also loves me in a very intense, <laughs> obsessional way. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, we're here with Aura from Amnesty International to talk about online training. Um, uh, sorry, trolling. Trolling. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully doing no training for the trolling. Well, uh, she's, you know, trained some people on the internet up. Um, and we will hear about that later. Um, so problems that arrive, arise from online trolling, our own experiences uh, as women on the internet, we're all going to be talking about that. Um, so... The uh, Amnesty released a report uh, in 2018. Uh, they interviewed, I think, 86 women. Is that correct? Uh, yes. So, yeah. um, over 16 months, uh, journalists, activists, comedians, um, about um, their uh, the abuse or harassment that they've suffered uh, online or about their um, position online. Um, anyway, uh, statistics from 2017 say that 41% of women have experienced online abuse uh, or harassment uh, on at least one occasion, uh, these experiences have made them feel like their physical safety was threatened. So it's really, it's something that can be uh, very severe, it's something that gets talked about, but perhaps uh, not addressed enough. Um, so before we delve into what the Amnesty campaign was, um, I just wanted to hear from everyone, what are your experiences online? How do you behave online? Being aware that there are, you know, accounts like this that are out sometimes to get you a little bit. Soila. So um, the I had an experience a couple of years ago when the allegations against um, Julian Assange's abuse of women first came out. And um, I, at the time, I was like, I tweeted, um, which was my first mistake, uh, saying, you know, I think that this man should face face the a trial to should you know face up to to what these women have accused him of and um immediately was put into this group on twitter um of people called assange hating hoes and i was like i love it i'm now in a group of all of these women who agree with me <laughs> <laughs> that's a side effect they hadn't seen oh yeah so uh, <laughs> Um, so that was a very specific um, thing that I'd been branded for. Interesting, though, that it was... I mean, hose is a very gendered term. Yes, yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And you were sticking up for women in that yeah. case as well. Yeah, it's, There's a... Yeah, that's a theme that we'll come back to later. You know, and, um, and every time I do see um, Mr Assange, you know, uh, talking about his being... Uh, oh, I'm, I'm stuck in this embassy. And I'm like, well, you know... That's not my problem, it's yours. Um, <laughs> I think that's fair. I was like, this could be a difficult legal water, but no, that, that, <laughs> that is 100% correct. It is not your problem. Um, yeah, so what about you, Flory? How are you online? Uh, I have a, like a very minimal um, online profile. I'd say I don't tweet very much. I don't use Facebook much. I use Instagram a little bit. Um, I, did, I do quite a lot of social media for my job, so especially Twitter, and I have done... Um, before when I worked for a women's organisation and I did some online campaigning there and uh, I had a lovely troll whose name was Hate and Fury (laughs) and he had his profile picture was a hood just of like a shadow with these glowing red eyes. (laughs) Charming. Yeah, it was really... I did social media in my first job actually and it wasn't really trolling but 
there was someone I forgot. Yeah, I do remember her name, and I won't say it on the radio. But she would just comment on all the posts, and I really enjoyed it. It was just like, yay, more French culture coming out of the French Institute. She was, yeah, that's more of a fan than a troll. <laughs> that's a nice troll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, all right. It's part of your job to be campaigning, partly online. So, what's your? How does that change your I, attitude online? I've I've been lucky so far in my career. I think um, I, my colleagues who worked specifically on the toxic Twitter campaign received a hell of a lot more trouble for um, saying the things they were saying about the issue. Um, at least three of my colleagues got particularly bad abuse on the launch of the campaign, saying, you know, fuck you, <laughs> those things like that. And, you know, we reported it to Twitter. And actually, I think they came back with, oh, well, fuck you isn't actually in contradiction with our rules. So we'll just leave that one. So okay. it is it's interesting issues with you know the kinds of things that you experience online sometimes it's categorized as abuse sometimes isn't so um that's that's been a particularly interesting thing with this campaign is exploring the length and breadth of free expression online yeah well since you're on the topic um of so toxic twitter is the amnesty campaign um I had a few questions which I will come back to you about our own personal attitudes mm-hmm. but seeing as we're talking about toxic twitter can you tell us a bit about what that is Sure. Um, so as you as you mentioned, uh, we interviewed uh, bloggers, journalists, politicians, uh, female bloggers, and to, to really understand their experience of abuse on social media. Um, what we mean by abuse and violence actually is, you know, sort of direct or indirect threats of uh, physical and sexual violence, uh, abuse based on one or more aspects of a woman's identity, uh, privacy violations like doxing and uh, sharing intimate images or private information, that kind of thing. So doxing, I should leap in here because I hadn't heard of it a couple Mm. of months ago, is when you release the personal information, so documents of uh, an individual so that an online community can do stuff with that information, like knowing where they live. I don't know. You could send them post or worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, through that research, we uh, established that uh, Twitter... Twitter was uh, actually the platform where women received the most abuse and that was the platform that was doing the least about it. So we looked into that further and decided that a public campaign would be the best way to try and encourage Twitter to actually protect women online because the the our findings showed that women who did receive abuse were actually self-censoring, limiting their interactions online, uh, and even sort of feeling like they had to leave the platform entirely, whether whether it was short-term or long-term, because of the abuse. And there were a lot of sort of psychological effects associated with abuse and violence as well. So um, it... In, in from a human rights perspective, that that is in violation of their right to free expression, and so we we try to communicate that to Twitter because as a company, they have an international human rights obligation mm-hmm. to protect women. So, um, and what's interesting is that Twitter has within its own rules, um, uh, it, it says specifically that abuse is not permitted on the platform, and they have. Um, policy on that so if you if you do experience abuse or violence you can report that to twitter the problem is that the reporting mechanism is really inconsistently enforced and it's really not clear what sort of response you'll get from twitter sometimes women who put through a report will just not receive any word about what happened to the report and if they do receive something sometimes it'll just say oh this is not in contradiction um, to our policy even though they may feel like that is the case. 
So the the report as a whole, Toxic Twitter, was focused on women specifically. What was the reasoning behind that? Well, we were looking at the the, the gendered experience of abuse on, on Twitter. So abuse, of course, everybody is uh, you know prone to being abused online that's that's not something that we're disagreeing with what we're saying is that is there's a gendered nature to that kind of abuse and you know it's it's it can be take particular heinous forms so it's not but it's not only in um sort of who who it's directed at it's in the way that those tweets are formed is that so it's not just oh, I'm disagreeing with you, it's I'm disagreeing with you, and then various slur terms for women. Yes. So um, so it's, I, I do notice in, and this is going back to personal experience, but when I do look at um, sort of pile-ons uh, on Twitter, um, so I'm, I'm not going to go too much into it, but a friend of mine posted um, sticking up for, quite oddly, a Daily Mail journalist, um, but... Uh, because it was a fellow female, young female d- journalist, and the result of that was a, a pile on of people who were disagreeing with sticking up for a Daily Mail uh, journalist. Uh, but the initial issue was this person had uh, sent a direct message to a young woman with like quite sexualized language, um, and uh, and I and I went through and from the names and from the images, I did notice that they were predominantly what I would associate as male. So obviously their pseudonym, so it's always hard to tell um but if if taken at face value then then those were actually all men doing that pile on so they're like it seems just on an anecdotal level and you're saying that it's actually on a statistical level um i think uh that that there is that there is a huge gender issue there uh of, of behavior on the internet um so but it's not just it's not just gender uh it's also uh racialized so people of color are particularly subjected to this uh abuse um can you tell me a bit about the findings of the report in terms of that uh yeah no uh certainly uh the sort of intersectional nature of the abuse was um uh something we looked into very closely uh because you know marginalized women or women from different backgrounds will experience abuse abuse in different ways. So I think that the most obvious example was our research on the abuse and violence received by UK MPs in the lead up to the election last year. Um, Diane Abbott, of the of the female MPs who have a presence on Twitter, Diane Abbott received about forty five percent of that abuse in total um, in the lead up to the snap general election. Um, and then if you take her out of the equation, because her because the amount of abuse that she received actually skews our results, if you take her out of the equation and you look solely at the other black and Asian MPs on Twitter, they received 35% more abuse than other MPs. And of course, that's a really stark result because of the, the fact that they're a minority within the female MP. This is not the most... Um valuable part of that research but was that amnesty research this is amnesty research yes because that's actually the 45 percent figure is actually something that i had read about sort of beyond looking onto this issue as and it seems like it's actually it's quite well publicized at least uh to someone who's like broadly but not specifically interested in in the issue um and that definitely changed the way when i saw diane abbott um, I think when I learned that statistic later on that day, I actually crossed her in the tube and I did a little double take and I th- and it like popped in. Yeah, I saw Diane Abbott in the t- in the overground. <laughs> I've seen um, 
And I'd met her before, and she 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 nodded in a way that I think she recognised yeah. me. But I didn't go. I didn't uh, she go probably down didn't recognise you. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't want to get ahead of myself. Um, yeah. Anyway, and I and I thought, oh gosh, forty five percent. Like like kudos to whoever goes about their you know their job with that much abuse hurled at them. You know, she continues to be an excellent. Yeah. And the other thing was em- that her majority went up. Right. As well, um, so I was like, you know, it's not indicative of no. of you know her constituency. Yeah, so that was ugh, it's 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 very shocking. So um, and so a lot of the quotes that are mentioned in the amnesty report, uh, they they actually quote the the abuse that was held at her and and the sort of the racialized mm. sort of use of the n word. Like it gets it gets very ugly very quickly. Um, so it's not just uh, it's, it's women, it's a people of color. There are a lot of other uh, groups where it seems like if you have something that's not, um, I don't know if this is fair, but straight white male, that's that seems to be subject for attack. So LGBT um, people with disabilities is that also something that that came up? Yes, that's right. Uh, it's a lot of abuse uh, against trans women, uh, lesbian, and bisexual women that we documented, and yeah, it's. It's shocking, but it's also not shocking. I mean, the the nature of Twitter means that everyone is open to to being, um, you know, a subject of abuse and violence. Um, but if you look at at, at it more closely, it, it, you can really see how it would affect someone's experience of being online, and that obviously has repercussions in your private life, in your professional life. Um, and that's what we really wanted to demonstrate to Twitter, that it's not enough to say, yeah, we're dealing with the issue, you know, we, we're aware of the issue, which is what they've been doing for years. They've been saying, um, uh, you know, we're aware and we, we, we're trying our best to, to deal with it, but there could be a lot more that they could be doing to protect women. Specifically. So, so what are the effects that you found? Well, I mean, uh, it affects your, your choices, your professional choices. You know, um, I think at one point we had interviewed Nicola Sturgeon and, you know, in her statement, she said, you know, what, what scares her the most about abuse um, is that it really puts young women off politics. Mm-hmm. Um Another thing is that there's a sort of a psychological effect um, on on women. I think we we found that um, sort of two thirds of the women we interviewed in the UK, New Zealand, and Italy said that they had sort of stress, anxiety, and panic attacks related to the abuse and violence that they received. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, um, if you look at the statistics, like for example, uh, of the women that we polled, uh, I think it was about. A quarter said that they experienced online abuse and violence. And within that, half of them said it was misogynist in nature. And then a quarter said that they had received threats of physical and uh, uh, threats of a physical or sexual nature. So, you know, it's quite serious, quite serious things that we're talking about that are. Yeah. What what sort of um, solutions did it? I, I saw that in the Amnesty report, there's a solutions part to it. Um, I know that you were part of the campaign uh to sort of raise awareness of this, um, can you tell us a bit about what that campaign involved, what what events, and then also uh, how you contacted Twitter? Sure. Um, so our our call essentially was uh, was uh, for Twitter to do more in terms of enforcing its own policies and actually being transparent about how they did that. 
because we don't know how many reports of abuse they receive every year, for example. We don't know how many they process. We don't know what kind of responses they give women. We don't know how many moderators they have or what, in what languages they, they do moderation. So these are these are sort of key, key bits of information that would actually be helpful to successfully deal with the issue of abuse and violence on, on the platform. So um, we thought, you know, let's actually target the CEO of Twitter on his own platform to show how um, people are really worried about this and how they want to, to talk about it publicly. So all of the, a lot of the women that we interviewed for the research actually took part in the campaign, which was amazing because it, they really owned the campaign. They came out with their own statements, their own um, experiences, and that really sort of fueled the conversations um, around this issue for why well, we had really good media pickup. And what was really interesting for me um, was the number of amnesty officers that got involved as well. So we had Amnesty Australia, Brazil, Argentina, um, India, UK, USA, Canada, all sort of chipping in because this this clearly resonates with women globally. And so I think that pr- that public pressure was was really quite something. I think we had about fifty thousand actions taken within two months against the tw- against the CEO. So that was basically tweeting him, emailing him, um, sending him memes <laughs> and gifts, and you know it was it was it was really playful, but at the same time had a had an obvious serious um, undertone to it. So um, we're still we have yet to see what happens with that. Um, but uh, so far, I think we're on the right track in terms of changing the conversation, uh, making so making it clear that this is a human rights issue, not just a social issue that right. you know people should just ignore. So yeah, I think it's telling that Amnesty have picked this up. It says you know this is on a par with other Amnesty campaigns. Yeah. Um, just on on the topic of the of the global extent of this, I just wanted to mention the Digital Rights Foundation. Uh, which is a service in Pakistan that helps women report. They're calling it cyber harassment. So this is information from the uh, Index on Censorship website, uh, which highlighted this foundation. Um, So it's particularly to protect women uh, on Pakistani uh, online uh, spaces uh, following the murder of of one woman uh, by her brother for Facebook posts, actually. Um, So that one's quite an extreme uh, case, but there were 20 to 25% apparently of the online population are women, which, you know, given that we can say roughly 50% are women generally, that's a very very small portion. Um, And they think that part of that is due to bullying, revenge porn, blackmail, impersonation, all of these things that constitute cyber harassment. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to to bring bring that round. Um, We... I almost finished. I just wanted to uh, bring the conversation back to all of us um, in terms of um, our own attitudes online. What do we all actually think trolling is? And have you ever considered trolling in that context? Sorry. So, yeah. uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's left in there. Yes. I troll <laughs> every morning at nine fifty with my cup of coffee. Yeah, it's, it's it's a fine line, isn't it? It's interesting kind of thinking about what does constitute abuse and what is kind of like, you know, saying things like, oh, Rupert Murdoch looks like a ball sack or like, you know, mm. those kind of things. Like, what <laughs> is, is actually... I don't know if that's abuse, is it? I guess it is. If you were to say that to his face, he'd be like, yeah. that's not very polite. No, it's not. So I guess that is essentially trolling. Um, but, it, but isn't trolling directed at the person that you're... 
Yeah, I guess if you added him, then it would be, wouldn't it? Whereas if you don't, don't at but me then, like that song at the beginning. But then I guess people <laughs> still see, the, you know, people still search their name on Twitter and will see mm. horrible things about them. I guess that still counts as trolling. Mm. Maybe not everyone at Diane Abbott, but you can, you know that like a lot of the abuse is directed at her. So mm. that's true. Yeah. It's also, it's something we didn't bring up, but also religious, uh, you get. Uh, just in terms of the different categories we brought up, was that something that you came across, the religious yeah, um, no, element to it? F- for sure, yeah. We interviewed uh, women from different religious backgrounds. It was very clear that, you know, the that abuse would... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would circle back around to that. For sure. Um, yeah, no, that wasn't in the context of me. I would never troll someone for religious <laughs> or for any reason, just to be clear. Um, yeah, no, I haven't. But I did, I, like I said, I did... That uh, I stuck up for my friend who was um, who had that pile on that I mentioned earlier, and I I, I didn't want to get into a public debate because I know that when you debate someone online, you there's a performative element to it. Yeah, it's I always find... as if you have to be the better person, both in terms of your argument, but also kind of like I'm, you know, the sassiness. Yeah, sassiness. yes, yeah. And if so, you ignore them, are you just letting them like win? You know, roll mm. on? Should mm. you even respond? Yeah, I I don't know. So anyway, so I thought, I'm not going to get into this. I like wrote a very brief, like, one line, this disproves your argument. So anyway, (laughs) I'm like that. Um, And it was mainly just a link to something which would disprove it. Um, uh, But then I sent, like, a more extended message saying, like, you know, I I know this person. Like, I'm not just coming out of the blue. um, But what you said, like, that can be construed as quite harmful to women. And in this guy's response, at no point did he mention women. It was completely separate issue. Mm. So I thought there's a fundamental, like, different uh, block there that he's talking about one set of things and I'm clearly talking about another. And there's there wasn't any interaction there. There wasn't any um, sort of uh, overlap. And that was really surprising to me. Um, yeah, uh, that was still on the topic of have you ever considered being a troll? <laughs> I mean, I I would say... I mean, you are tempted. You are tempted to be like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Um, Like when I see, when I, you see, there's this difficult thing of, uh, is it okay to punch a racist in the face? Is it okay to um, tell Katie Hopkins that she looks really old? Uh, Oh, no, no, I would say no. Do you see what I mean? But that one has become a meme. Um, right. Where people well not it, indirectly. I think that there are a lot of things for a page <laughs> for, and her age so, is not one that she can control. So yeah, so. I think that's a, a question that we have to kind of leave in the kind of in, you know right. into the ether. You know, yeah. is it okay to is it okay to troll people who? I mean, you could say that trolling is someone you disagree with. Mm. Can you do that from one side to the? Is it more okay to do it from one side to the other than it is vice versa? By side, you mean left or right politically? Left or right, or kind of yeah. male, female, or, oh, or, or yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Is is it okay? Um, just to round this off, I wanted to ask you if you had any personal sort of reflections on the work that you've done. You've been quite involved in this campaign. Mm. Um, is there anything? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I'd like to mention just quickly our um, the last phase of our campaign, which was actually called Troll Patrol. And we essentially asked um, members of the public, Amnesty members, to categorise abusive tweets. Essentially, we had about um, 500,000 to a million tweets. And we asked people to register and then give their opinion on a tweet, say, was it problematic? Was it abusive for them? And using 
using that data, we're then going to try and show build an algorithm and show patterns of abuse on Twitter. So I thought it was really interesting and we got some amazing feedback from people because it was for them, uh, women who had uh, experienced abuse themselves took part and they, they came back with, oh, you know, this is really awesome because I can, you know, I can actually contribute to your research. But also, you know, there was a sense of empowerment there, which was which was very nice for us. So how do people find out? How, how do people report? Uh, you you register on Troll Patrol. If you just type in Troll Patrol Amnesty, you can you It'll can yeah. It's like a video game type setup. Yeah, it's cool. We're running out of time yeah. as we do every week. Um, that is definitely all we've got time for. Uh, at VLW Radio on Twitter. There no abuse, please. <laughs> no, just, um, just nice things. Just lots of love. We, we got some love this week. Um, and, you know, we appreciate it and we want more of it. Yes, please. More love. Um, Facebook, Very Loose Women. You can find our old podcast episodes on Acast, iTunes, all of that. Uh, thank you so much, Aura, for coming on. Thank no, thanks for having me. Late Wednesday night. Thanks to both of you, Soila, for engineering and pitching in and Flora. Uh, sorry. Uh, Flo- <laughs> that was a cross between Flory and Aura. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Flory for organising this show. Thanks so much. So we're going to play out to Blame the Internet by Bobby Raps and Corbin with an I. Um, yeah, good night. You're better than the internet. That kind of Instagram internet.